have mercy on me. He called out to the Messiah, not Jesus who lived in Nazareth. He may have been physically blind, but he was not spiritually blind. And he recognized who Jesus was. And he called out for what he needed the most. Once again, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't go, hey, dude, I'm blind. Fix me. Because that's usually what we want. We won't be fixed. But we need mercy. We need to connect with God. We need that connection. He, he knew he needed that connection more than he needed sight. Get your eyes off of your circumstance. Sometimes we need to be blinded to some things. Jesus said, walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes we just need to close our eyes. Sometimes we need some Holy Ghost blindness. Sometimes we need, we need to not see what's going on in our life. I'm not talking about sticking your head in the ground and acting like it's not there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying seeing the Word of God, seeing the work of God, calling out for your Messiah more than you see the problem. More than the problem, he called out for what he needed most. Number two, the crowd. Do those who surround me encourage me or discourage my passion for God? Verse 48, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, you've got to have a won't shut up faith. Polite church etiquette will not approve of passionate faith. Never has, never will. Never has, never will. You've got to have won't shut up faith. When people are telling you to shut up, and, and it's not just, hey, don't call out to God. You've got to understand that people's attitudes are calling out to you. Who are you hanging around? You want to know why, why some people get real negative about things? Because that's all they hang around is negative people. Man, if that's all you listen to, that's all you're ever going to be. Right? And what they're really doing, they may not be saying it physically, but they're saying, shut up. Shut up. Here's Bartimaeus calling out to Jesus, and they're saying, be quiet. Be quiet. There are people that will try to put your fire out. They'll even tell you God doesn't do that anymore. Let me let you in on a little secret. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He didn't change. He doesn't change. He hadn't changed his mind. But there, are, there will be people that will lovingly try to convince you, well, you need to stop believing that. You need to stop praying about that. Because God is sovereign, and in his sovereign love for you, he has done this to you. 
Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. God hasn't changed. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Jesus doesn't. Jesus will not change. I have to get my grammar right or my daughter will tell me afterwards. That one back there with an English degree. See, it looks like she's taking notes, but she's writing down all of my grammatical errors is what she's doing. So what happens when, when life starts screaming at you to be quiet? You get louder. You get louder. Verse 48 again, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Psalms 47 verse 1 says, clap your hands, all ye people. Clap your hands, all ye people. You ever notice that when we start a song and everybody starts clapping? I'm, hey, I'm just picking. I'm just picking right now, okay? We're clapping. And then soon as the lyrics start, my whiteness kicks in. Yeah. Clap your hands. You know, there's another psalm that says that when we clap our hands, when we smite our hands, we bind their kings with chains and with fetters. We're not just clapping our hands going, yeah, got a little hoedown going. No, there's something spiritual happening when you begin to clap your hands, when you begin to smite your hands. There's something spiritual that's happening. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout, shout, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He's not even saying just shout, shout, oh, I mean, help me, God. <laughs> he said shout with a voice of triumph. Shout with a voice of triumph. Now, I'm not a great big soccer fan, but I got to give it up for the soccer fans, not these two. But I did watch a little bit of the World Cup. Anybody watch any of this? These people are crazy. These people are absolutely lunatics. They're show not even the people at the stadiums. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about they're showing it in some of these countries where, where all they have is like a 13-inch black and white television. And there's thousands of people watching this and they're going crazy. Crazy. Did you see that? I mean crowds just over a ball game, right? Now, I'm not saying that I don't shout when, when a real game is being played. <laughs> and I know you've heard this before, but people will always say, well, I'm just kind of reserved. Yeah, until the Cowboys score. Then you're suddenly not as reserved anymore, are you? Or when the Astros win the World Series... You're suddenly not as reserved anymore. I'm only reserved when I'm in church. And you can't even say that you have your tie on because I don't think I see it. Well, Brother, Brother Walker, thank you for holding it up, holding it up. He's got a tie on. All the rest of you do not have ties on. So quit acting like you're so straight-laced. Shout. 
Man, if you really wanted something from God, if you knew that just the passion in your heart, if, if by being seen with that passion that it could come to pass, would you shout? I think you would. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Verse 49. When Jesus heard him, think about this. When Jesus heard him, it always says there was a crowd around him, right? There was a lot of people around Jesus. How many people were around Jesus asking him for things? Hey, Jesus, Jesus, will you give me this? Jesus, will you do this? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Right? But it says he heard him. Jesus heard one cry of faith. When he heard him, he stopped. Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Here's a question. Who's in your crowd? Those telling you to shut up or cheer up? Those telling you to shut up or cheer up? You may need to change your locale to be around some people that are telling you to cheer up. Number three, the coat. What identifies you? You need to understand that at this time, the coat that Bartimaeus wore, the cloak that he wore, was an official coat. It signified him as a blind beggar. It signified that he had permission from the local government to beg. It was his only way of making money. It was his total identity. If he, if he forgot his coat one morning when he went out to beg, he'd have to go back and get it. Because nobody was going to give to somebody that did not have the official coat on. It was who he was. But verse 50 says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. See, there was no doubt in his heart that he was no longer going to need that coat. He had already changed his identity as a blind beggar even before he got to Jesus. What coat are you hanging on to? What coat are you hanging on to? Bad things happen in life. We already talked about that. We all have some circumstances. Are you allowing the circumstance to identify you? I know some, because I know some of your stories. You've gone through some stuff. There's people sitting in this room that have been physically, mentally, and sexually abused. But if you hang on to that coat, all you're ever going to be is somebody that has been mentally, physically, or sexually abused. You may be sick in your body, but if you identify with the sickness, if you hang on to that, and you don't identify with Jesus who carried our sicknesses and bore our diseases, all you're going to do is identify with the sickness. What coat are you hanging on to? Some of you have gone through some tough stuff. What coat are you hanging on to? 
started this whole thing this morning. Half of you weren't here yet, but Kenny opened the service, and he began talking about being a son and a daughter of God. What are you identifying with? What are you allowing to identify you? And it doesn't always have to be bad things. I can't tell you how many people identify with what I'm doing right here. They find their identity in their gifting. They find their identity in their calling instead of in Jesus. Because if my identity is in my calling, if my identity is in my gifting, I'm in trouble, right? If that's my identity, the moment that I don't have the opportunity to stand up here, I'm lost. I'm telling you, there was a time when my beautiful wife was not her fault, completely my fault. We got excused from a church. You know, Paul talks about giving the right hand of fellowship. We got the left foot of fellowship. That was my right foot, so left foot. I was completely lost. Why? Because my whole identity was in Pastor Chris. My whole identity was in my gifting. My whole identity was, was the, the affirmation I got when I spoke. And I was completely lost. I didn't know who I was. Until one day I was driving up Broadway. And if you've ever driven up Broadway, especially South Broadway, I, I believe there is about 1.3 million churches on South Broadway. And I was passing one of those churches, and the Lord spoke to me. And we weren't really on speaking terms at, the, at that moment because I was mad at him. But he spoke up on the inside of me. He said, if you went in that church, what would you be? A visitor? I, I don't know where you're going, Lord. He said, no, you would be a pastor. Okay. Then I passed a store, and he said, if you went in that store, what would you be? I am a little slow, but I was catching on where he was going. I said, a pastor? He said, you're a pastor wherever you go. It has nothing to do with title, has nothing to do with position, has nothing to do with pulpit. It's who he has created me to be. And when I'm connected to him, I'm being who I was created to be, whether I ever stand up here or not. What code are you allowing to identify you? What code are you allowing to identify you? Verse 51. This is Jesus. After Bartimaeus has come to him, he says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And I threw this in here for one reason. Be specific with God. There is this false humility out there. Now, I, I understand pride and arrogance. I've lived there before. And God's had to squeeze it out of me at times. You ever take a, a tube of toothpaste and, and it seems like there's Nothing left in it, but you keep squeezing, keep squeezing, keep squeezing, and there's still some in there. Man, I've gone a couple of weeks with, with a tube of toothpaste, at least it threw in the, the garbage, and I pulled it back out, and I got two more weeks out of it. <laughs> Woman, this stuff costs at least a dollar. What's wrong with you? 
Even sometimes when we think it's empty, God's going to squeeze a little bit more. All right? I'm not talking about pride and arrogance. I'm talking about false humility. There's false humility at times. Years ago, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was, I was doing a, a meeting with a friend of mine. And there was, you know, there was a few thousand people in the, in the auditorium. And he called me up on stage. And he introduced me, let me, you know, address the crowd for a few minutes. And he said, I'm telling you people, this man is anointed. You better have him pray for you before you leave. And I sat down. Now, after the service, they started doing some personal ministry. And uh, my, my friend called me up and said, hey, minister to some of these people. I said, okay. So a guy came up to me. He walks up like this. And he, and, uh, he said, I want you to pray for me. And I said, well, what do you want the Lord to do? And he said, well, that guy said you're anointed, so whatever the Lord wants to do. And he did this. I mean, he was so squirrely looking. He was a squirrely looking guy anyway. He just went. I, what? And in a Holy Ghost moment, I grabbed hold of him and I said, I've got an anointing to die for the gospel. And his eyes got real big and he jumped back. I said, well, you said whatever. You said whatever the Lord want. You said you wanted what was on my life. And he goes, that's not what I want. I don't want to die. Be specific with God. Okay? Be specific with God. God knows what you have need of. Do you not think Jesus knew he was blind? Jesus knew he was blind, but he still said, what do you want me to do? And if your response to God is, whatever, you're going to get whatever. Okay? Be specific with God. Last but not least, number four, the calling. What direction are you going? Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He followed Jesus. How many times do we get the pressure off of us and we decide to relax? Bless you. How often do we get a prayer answered? Well, I'm just going to take this next season off. I've been through a lot. And I'm not saying you haven't been through a lot. Bartimaeus, we don't know how old he was, obviously an adult man. He had been begging for a lot of years. If anybody would have been okay for him to go, well, you know what? I'm seeing for the first time. I just want to go around and see some stuff. I just want to look at some stuff. We'd have probably said that's okay, wouldn't we? But the first thing that he did with his new found sight was follow Jesus. Where are you going? What are you called to do? Ashley talked about it during the transition. You're called, you're anointed, and you're gifted for something. Where are you going?
Who are you following? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. God's done great things for us. Now let's follow him. What do I want you to know? No matter what condition you find yourself in, don't let it identify you. Good or bad. Don't identify with hurt. Don't identify with tragedy. Don't identify with sickness. It happened. Yes, you're going to have scars from it. But don't identify with it. Identify with being a son or daughter of God. Don't identify just with your gifting. Your calling. Because it'll chew you up and spit you out too. Identify with Jesus. Identify with being a son or a daughter of God. So what do I want you to do? I want you to ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart. That you could see the truth. And then when you see truth, follow him. Follow him. There was a a group of great theologians in the 1980s. And I say that tongue in cheek. They called themselves Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Those of you that grew up in the 80s or understand good music laughed at that. Some of you are going, who's Tom Petty? They had a song. These are some of the lyrics. Somewhere, somehow, somebody must have kicked you around some. Who knows? Maybe you were kidnapped, tied up, taken away, and held ransom. Honey, it don't matter to me. Everybody has to fight to be free. You see, you don't have to live like a refugee. That's amazing how God will use a bunch of heathens to to speak some truth sometimes, right? You're not called to live like a refugee. The circumstances in your life may make you feel like that you have been kidnapped, kidnapped, tied up, and held for ransom. But I'm telling you this morning, This morning, somebody is willing to fight a battle with you, and he's already won. He's already won. Stop identifying as a refugee. Stop identifying as a victim. And identify as a child of God. Would you stand up? And I believe this message, not just because I... I gave it, but I believe this message is is applicable to all of us. There is some place in our lives and in our hearts where we need more freedom. We always need more freedom. So this morning, would you just close your eyes with me for just a second? Now, as you have your physical eyes closed, I'm asking that the Lord open the eyes of your heart that you would see truth Lord show us is there an area in my life Lord where I'm living like a refugee Lord is there an area in my life that I'm identifying with something besides you and if he shows it to you we're just going to lay it down We're just going to lay it down.
okay? It's that easy. It really is that easy. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive. And not only forgive, but cleanse. Cleanse of all unrighteousness. Or cleanse us of everything that would keep us from being able to stand in His presence. Maybe you're identifying with shame this morning. We've got some history, don't we? 